Lord Jesus, thank you for your Eucharistic presence in our midst. Continue to warm our hearts with the fire of your divine love and to radiate from this Eucharistic presence your gift of love. Help us also to recognize you present in your living word. May these gifts of word and sacrament make us more and more your true disciples. And may we bring your glory to the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Good afternoon. I'd like to dedicate this talk to a practice that actually, as I look out among you, might be already very familiar to you, a practice called Lexio Divina, which is essentially um, an ancient method of praying with Scripture. Divine reading, you might say, praying with the Bible, praying with Scripture. How do we do this? And going back to what Dave Erbum said, there are a lot of tools, you know, on, on the internet, in books. I mean, if you go looking, it, it won't take long to find a good user-friendly tool if you want something to kind of help you in your exercise of Lexio Divina. So I'm just going to kind of go through it in, in the way that I've learned, looking at various resources and reflecting on it myself and, try, and trying to practice it. So we begin by saying, okay, I want to I pray with the Word of God. So I'm going to dedicate a period of my prayer time to praying with a short passage of Scripture. Could be 10 minutes, could be 15 minutes. Even if you have five minutes and that's all you can grab, there's still profit to be gained. Choose one of the readings uh, or the psalm of the day's mass. It's a good place to start. Any other part of scripture, but a few verses of a gospel passage or part of a psalm. These are good. I was thinking as we were going through the psalms, we were... Um, we were praying a, a psalm of complaint, basically. So if you don't think you can bring a complaint to prayer, well, look at the psalm writers. Now, the psalms always go from complaint, offering bitterness, suffering to the Lord, lament. They always proceed into an attitude of trust and receptivity. I mean, it's not a purposeless complaint. It's not just grieving our errances and, or, or, you know, you know, airing our grievances and walking away. It's our hearts are open to some answer that God can bring into that complaint, resolution of that lamentation. But the gospel or Psalms are a good, good place to start. Preparation for prayer time. What does that look like? Well, choose a suitable place. If, if that means coming into church, into a chapel, if you're able to do that, if that's a suitable place for you, great. But it could also be a quiet place in your home. It could be, I, I liked what Father Trainer said earlier, you know, sitting in, 
in your car in a parking lot. I, I pray a lot in those situations. Um, take up a posture that's both attentive and relaxed. So I, I was listening to some mindfulness teaching by Dr. Greg Bataro, he, Catholic mindfulness, and he, he always kind of encourages you to, to be comfortable but sit up, you know, with the dignity that, that says, I'm a child of God. So it's attentive and relaxed. Consciously become aware of God's presence. And sometimes just even beginning with attentiveness to your breath, your physical sensations, you know, what what feelings you're experiencing. That, that's sometimes a, a good way to begin. Sometimes we just need to simply relax, even just from the human standpoint. Be mindfully present to ourselves, to God, and to the present moment. Now, once we become recollected, that's when we get into the Lexio Divina. And traditionally, it's, it's kind of four steps or stages or really guideposts. The thing about it is, I mean, we're given a structure to help us to know how to pray. But as you get into it and as you experience the Lord's presence in your prayer, like if you're like a hyper rule follower, like I sometimes am, you might have to kind of let that go a little bit because your experience of prayer is what, is what you're looking to have. And, and these are here as guideposts to help, to help us arrive at prayer, at communion with the Lord. But the four traditional stages, I'll give you the Latin names first, and then I'll kind of translate it into what I think is a suitable uh, way of talking about it. So it's lexio, meditatio, oratio, and contemplatio. First lexio, reading. That's just the way I would say it, just reading. This is the stage where you've chosen a suitably short passage, and I emphasize short because it doesn't take a lot of words to lead us into a prayerful encounter with God. This is a little bit different than, than when we go to Scripture to kind of study it more, right? It doesn't take a lot of words for us to pray the Word of God. So read the passage slowly, attentively, Two, maybe three times. Because we, we need to kind of hear it repeatedly for it to really settle into our mind. What we're trying to do during the Lexio or reading stage is just to hear God's word. Literally, we're hearing the words, but also letting particular words strike us. If you're in a situation where you can read the words aloud or have the words read to you, or you know, you're hearing them from a recording, you may wish to do that. Otherwise, you can read them quietly or silently, and your hearing can be interior. What we're listening for at this stage of Lexio, or just the reading stage, is simply which word or words seem to register in our minds. What jumps out at me? And from my experience, what I would say don't worry about judging the reasons that something is striking you. A lot of times my best Lexio Divina begins with like certain words striking me. And I'm like, what meaning do those words have? Or why would, why would that be striking me? I can't imagine anything meaningful coming out of that. Hmm. Wait and see. Trust that there's a reason that certain words are striking you. And pay attention to what they are. Remember, 
God is already wanting to communicate to you, even before you show up. So we shouldn't be surprised that when we're living in the spirit, that certain things might jump out at us that are precisely what God wants us to hear in that moment or on that day. By the way, I was looking, you know, thinking back to today's gospel of Levi, that would be a great passage to do Lexio Divina on, especially if you want to like really get into the scene and, you know, put yourself in Levi's place or in the place of the Pharisees and scribes or in the place of Jesus, or just be an observer watching that. That would be a great, a great passage. The second stage, meditatio, meditation. Uh, I'm just going to throw out the, the word pondering. Because sometimes it's, it's hard even to know, okay, what is meditation? Let's, let's try pondering. So having heard the word of God and, and kind of focused on what's striking us, Catechism number 2708 says, meditation engages thought, imagination, emotion, and desire. Thought, imagination, emotion, and desire. So at this stage, we either focus in on particular words or the mental images associated with those words, especially if the passage is telling a story, or we allow ourselves to think about those words or that image and enter into what's being said or the scene that's presented to our mind's imagination. So I kind of think of it, I mean, there, there are, for me, like there are a couple of different ways to go in terms of pondering or meditation. Either I'm going to kind of go into it and try to sort of compose the scene. What do I see? What do I smell? What do I feel? What do I hear? What, what touches me? And really try to kind of get immersed in an imaginative experience of that's especially good with some of these rich gospel scenes, scenes of healing, things like that. And by the way, if, if you don't consider yourself a particularly imaginative person or if you don't think you have a really vivid visual imagination, don't, don't sell yourself short because I didn't think I was that way at all. Like I never thought that I would do a good job of, of you know, doing kind of the visual imagination. But actually, there's, I'm able to do it more than I realized. And part of it is, like, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be an HD, you know. I mean, like, you'd be surprised even how just a shadowy image that kind of is there in your imagination can really contain a lot there. And there's a lot to, there's a lot to, to prey on and a lot of fruit to be gained. But you can also, and you can alternate these things. I, I try to do both of them at different times. As a you know, as compared with the more visual imagination, you can also um, just focus on words, and this might be particularly appropriate to more of the of the teaching um, passages of the gospel or the psalms. I like I'm a word guy. Like language is kind of my thing, at least the English language. Um, I really get into words and unpack the meaning of them, and there is a lot of fruit there. And so that's kind of my natural tendency is to let the words kind of echo in my mind and let the meaning grow deeper and, okay, what other meanings could this have and, and all that kind of stuff. So, that, so that's another way to do your meditation. Trust yourself. Trust, trust your nature. Trust God's grace working with your nature. 
if you're allowing your mind to consider words and the connection those words make to your own experience, some questions would be, what do I think of when I hear this? How does the message of these words strike me? What's my internal reaction or response, whether positive or negative? How do these words make me feel? Honestly, what's, what is it stirring up? What is strange or unusual about what's being said? That has been a really instructive thing for me. The more I realize, like, a lot of times, whether I'm doing Lexio or even just doing it, like, in preparation for preaching, sometimes it's, it's the thing that kind of catches me off guard or makes me think, like, that's, that, doesn't, that seems out of place or there seems something... There's something that doesn't make sense about that to me. That might be the thing to follow in your meditation. Is there a seeming contradiction, a surprise? How does this challenge or enlighten my way of thinking? This is what we're doing in that second stage of meditatio, meditation, pondering. And just kind of letting it all kind of be like a stew. Now, the third stage in the traditional Languages, oratio, oration, prayer. I'm going to say dialoguing. So reading to hear, pondering to let it really grow rich, and then dialoguing. This is the conversation stage. The content of your meditation, your pondering, has given rise perhaps to some questions that you want to pose to God. Or you may wish to express to God some thought or sentiment that has arisen from your meditation. Confusion? Wonder? Gratitude? Fear? Boy, there's a lot of times I need to pray with fear. (laughs) Uncertainty? Comfort? Challenge? Be honest with God about how his word and you are interacting. Have a dialogue with God, a human dialogue. He turns it into a divine dialogue. He's got the God part, but he's also got the human part, and so do we. So have a dialogue with him. Speak to him from your heart honestly as you would a trusted friend. And take some time in silence to listen. This can be the hardest thing. It's very common for this to be so difficult for us, especially in our very noisy existence, is just to be silent and listen because we're so impatient. Like, I'm not hearing anything. (laughs) I heard that, but that doesn't, that's a distraction. You know, we got to just, we really got to try and and, and give time for that, for, for God to speak to us in the silence. God really does desire to speak to us And he wants to do it in a way that you can perceive and understand. You know, that unique relationship Father Trainer was talking about, the amazingness that that God relates to you in an absolutely unique and unrepeatable way. Like, he knows exactly how you need to hear it, how you need to perceive it, how, how you need to understand it. He can craft his message precisely to you. And so he's going to communicate with us in ways that we can perceive and understand. Now, there may, there may at times be simply silence. But that's not a failure. It's not a failure of prayer. 
At other times, the silence may begin to be filled, uh, with, filled in with a new insight, a new thought, a new question, a new understanding. Sometimes there's the resurfacing of a memory that connects with God's word. So it's something in my life that I've experienced that all of a sudden, okay, that, that memory I'm, is present to me now. How is, that, how is God's word connecting with that memory? Maybe there's, maybe there's a way in which God is wanting to speak into that experience to, to make it new. And this is, I've seen this happen and I've experienced this happen, especially when in a memory, in an experience that, that we've had, where there's wound and there's hurt and there's still something that needs to be healed and resolved in the silence of our listening to God's word. He wants to come into that memory. He wants to come into that experience. He wants us to be courageous and humble enough to actually spend a little time in maybe what is a difficult place and to feel what, what we're feeling and to even kind of, experience in his presence that wound so that he can become present to us in it. And by something he says to our hearts or by, by a certain kind of a touch that he gives us or a sense of his abiding presence, that he can bring a new healing to that. That can be a very grace-filled moment. Trust that what comes into your experience, into your consciousness, may very well be a word of God spoken personally to you. Your faith and understanding will give you a good basis on which to judge whether what has come to you is from God. Because we know, of course, um, God isn't the only one who tries to speak to us. Uh, We speak to ourselves a lot. And the enemy... Satan, the devil, or those who are in league with him, uh, who have, have given up life with God, they, they try to talk to us too. The enemy does. But not to be afraid, because when we're in the presence of, the, of God and listening to his word, if, if one of the lies that we tell ourselves about our own identity things along the lines perhaps of you're no good and you're worthless because of this or that and just those, those self-incriminating things or any other lies that we tell ourselves or any lies that the enemy tries to tell us in the presence of God's word and especially times like now in his Eucharistic presence in this exceptional way, if, if those lies dare to try to talk to us and we actually if we can actually put words to those statements and put them to the test in the presence of the Lord, guess who wins the battle? It's the Lord. I mean, it's similar to to the reason why it's not a bad idea to to bring our, our wounded feelings and our wounded experience into the Lord's presence. It seems counterintuitive. I mean, this is the way it was for me. When, when I had a priest or two who started to, to encourage me to, to pray with my feelings, to, to bring, to let myself feel some of my junk, right? 
in the presence of the Lord, it was like, should I be doing this? I, I mean, I thought, I'm, I'm, I thought the idea is that I'm supposed to get rid of these feelings. No. Put, put these feelings, especially if they're related to any spirits contrary to Christ's love, put them to the test in the presence of the Lord, knowing that the Lord's radiant love and mercy is going to burn away and drive away anything that doesn't belong in his presence. Lies don't belong in the presence of truth incarnate. Hatred doesn't belong. The sin of hatred, the sin of self-hatred doesn't belong in the presence of, of the one who is love incarnate. And so that which is an enemy to us and to our life in Christ cannot forever abide the presence of Christ. So there's a lot that could be said about discerning, you know, among those voices. Is it God speaking to me? Is it the enemy? Or is it something that I'm kind of saying to myself? Well, the tone of God's voice, if you will, will always communicate love, mercy, compassion, kindness. There's such a thing as God's conviction. But when God convicts us, even when he's convicting us of sin, his conviction is always intended to help us sever ourselves from attachment to sin, to repent of it, to give it up, to lay it at his feet, to say, Lord, I'm ready to have you take it away so that I can be lifted up into a greater experience of love and communion with you. The tone of God's voice is not accusatory, nor is it condemning. See, this is that crafty devil. He, into his lie, he puts enough echo of the truth to convince us to believe what he's saying. But even if, he, even if he says to us something that is materially true, but he says it with a tone of condemnation and accusation that presses us down and that leaves us without the motivation to rise up and to cling to God and to entrust ourselves to him, that's not, that's not the voice of God. I have to give credit to um, a Christian therapist by the name of Adam Young, uh, many of whose podcasts I've listened to over the last number of months. He has a good podcast about learning to listen and discern among these different voices, voice of God, voice of the enemy, or the lies that we tell ourselves. And, it, and it, a, a good principle that he brings out is that difference between the conviction from God which lifts us up and gives us hope and the condemnation and accusation of the enemy because he's the one who wants to press us down and keep us apart from God. So there may be times in our Lexio Divina when the, the oratio stage, the dialogue stage, is a time to ask the Lord for the grace to discern, Lord, what are you saying to me? Maybe just to touch on... Um, a little example of this. I, um, you know, a few months ago, um, 
there was this conflict. I could tell there was a conflict going on interiorly because I could tell there were a lot of things happening in my relationships, in my work, in some of the things that I was receiving from other people and, and in my prayer and meditation that were, I could tell there were, there were a lot of words of encouragement and comfort and fortification kind of trying to, to break through. But there was this battle going on with a lot of old kind of lies that I listened to sort of in the back of my mind. And they were, they were kind of vying for their place as well. And, and one time I literally was sitting in my car in a parking lot <laughs> on like a Sunday afternoon, I think. And I'm like, okay. And I'd, I'd recently listened to Adam on this whole thing about learning to, to listen to what God is saying and what the enemy is saying. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give voice to some of these lies. Because one of the ways the devil works also is he kind of wants to keep it under the surface. If he just articulated directly some of these things, we would immediately recognize that's false. That's just mean, <laughs> you know? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to give, I'm going to put, put some of these things into sentences. And here were some of the sentences. You're lazy. You're avoiding your real responsibility. You're selfish. You're addicted to your self-help people. You've lost your rigor. You're freeloading. You're weak. Brothers and sisters, I hope that none of you thinks that that sounds like God. Because <laughs> when I made it that explicit, when I, when I put words to this stuff that was kind of nebulous and murky, I'm like... Okay, I've been in relationship with God for a long time. <laughs> I know he's challenged me, but he hasn't spoken to me that way. And so I was able to renounce those things, renounce those lies, and, and able to break any agreement that I've made with them. Here was another one. It's too good to be true. I had three check marks by that one. <laughs> On the facing page, I have my declarations of faith, hope, and love. God is awesome. Jesus is kind and he loves me. I am not the just judge of myself. Jesus is. My superiors are happy with me and they trust me. I'm honest. I have integrity. This is what others in Christ have told me. God has not given up on me. To do so has not even crossed his mind. I underline that one. It hasn't even crossed God's mind to give up on me. That came from the Spirit. I didn't, I didn't invent that. There's so much good in this world. I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I have a thing at four, so <laughs> I won't go too much longer. But um, there's so much good in this world. I was outside earlier. This morning, it is so beautiful out there. And I'm like, so you got, you got the warm sun coming, you know, not too much higher than the horizon. You got the cool breeze coming. I'm like, who made this? Like, the most brilliant team of scientists didn't get together and create the sunshine. 
and the warmth and the cool breeze. Like, that's God's. That's his. <laughs> Another one. I am doing good. That's not a, a grammatical error. I, I didn't mean I'm doing well. I'm doing good. I'm, I'm doing good in God's kingdom. I underline that one, too. Here is another one. If I can achieve a serene, godly acknowledgement of the truth, I am a sinner redeemed, then I'll be able to live with more confidence and apostolic fruitfulness. So interesting. This is, I'm, this is like two months ago, and I'm looking at this today in the word confidence. I, I began to receive an infusion of a grace of confidence about five, six days ago. That's, by the way, that's a good reason to journal. You forget what you were praying about and what God was saying to you. And then two months later, you look back and like, oh my goodness, the Lord like literally answered that prayer six days ago. <laughs> I wouldn't have remembered. I even asked for it. Or... Here's the last one. In making me the way I am, God has not made a mistake. My being and becoming a saint means my being and becoming who I am. That was a good day of battle. <laughs> I mean, they're not all, all that good, but I mean, I, I knew I was... Do you ever feel like you are a battleground? It's because you are. Like... We are, I mean, when we are in Christ, when we've declared ourselves for Christ, I mean, we've, we've made ourselves a battleground. Because the devil's time is short, and he knows it. And he knows that the final victory belongs to Christ. But he's still fighting for anything that he can get. And he, you know, he fights tooth and claw. And God stands... with serene and powerful love. And his love is like that sunshine when we need more warmth and it's like the cool breeze when we need to be braced a little bit. fourth stage of Lexio Divina. So we have the Lexio, the reading, in order to hear. Meditatio, the meditation, the pondering, in order for that, for it to grow rich. Oratio, so that we can dialogue with God about it and maybe do some discernment of what he's really saying to us. And then praise God. Number four, contemplatio, contemplation. Being with God. If you've never done it and you want to you learn about contemplation, about prayer, catechism, paragraph numbers 2709 to 2724. 2709 to 2724. By the way, I do intend before the end of this retreat to leave a sheet out. And if you want to give me your email address or some other contact information, 
And in the next week after this retreat, I can send out a list of resources and maybe some of the, these quotations and things. That was one of the things I didn't get to, and I'm sorry for that, but I'm willing to provide that for anybody who wants to in the days after this retreat. A little bit about contemplation. And what are my words for this? Being with God. Being with God. Contemplative prayer is really the goal of all our, all our prayer because it's about arriving at personal union with Jesus, the living God. At this stage of prayer, which, by the way, is a gift and it's a grace, we don't always even necessarily, you know, have a, an identifiable period of contemplation, but, but doing the rest of the prayer, the reading, the, the meditating, the, the dialoguing, it opens us up to the gift of that contemplative union. And so if you keep doing it, you're going you're gonna to experience contempl contemplative union as God's gift. It's, it's not so much, it's not specific mental images. It's beyond active conversation. It's beyond words. It's simply a resting in the awareness of God's presence with you. At times, the experience of contemplation, of being with God, may have a greater depth or richness to it. But, again, connecting with a little bit of what Father Trainer was talking about earlier, the feeling of God's presence is not what's essential here. There may indeed be times when God permits us to have sensible consolations with a lot of sweetness to them. And praise God for that. But there also may be times when our contemplation with God is devoid of a lot of sensible feelings. There may be even be kind of like a, a darkness or a void or a feeling, a sense of emptiness. But praise God for that too. Because in that experience, we can rec recognize by faith that God is still with us, even in the darkness even in the sense of his absence. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? That's a pretty deep privilege to share with Jesus, the Son of God, a sense of God's abandonment. And God will prepare us for that. And God will teach us through that experience how to grow in an even deeper union with him. He's preparing us for heaven. He's preparing us to let go of everything that's passing away and to yield ourselves wholly into his divine presence. In that section of the catechism that that talks about contemplative prayer. Allow me to just cite a few of what are many very good descriptions of it. <laughs> you know something is a mystery when, when the catechism of the Catholic Church spends like, you know, 15 paragraphs trying to define it <laughs> in all these different ways, right? It's like, well, this is a good way of describing it. This, was a, this is a good way. This is a good way. This is a good way. It's a mystery. But there are some pretty good descriptions that can help. 
In 2711, Catechism says, in contemplative prayer, we gather up the heart, recollect our whole being under the prompting of the Holy Spirit, abide in the dwelling place of the Lord, which we are. You are the dwelling place of the Lord. Where can I go? Where can I go to experience God's presence? I can abide in myself because I'm God's temple. Awaken our faith in order to enter into the presence of him who awaits us. We let our masks fall and turn our hearts back to the Lord who loves us so as to hand ourselves over to him as an offering to be purified and transformed. Catechism 2714. Contemplative prayer is also the preeminently intense time of prayer. In it, the Father strengthens our inner being with power through his spirit that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith and we may be grounded in love. 2715. Contemplation is a gaze of faith fixed on Jesus. When St. John Vianney was the parish priest in Ars, France, he asked a peasant who had spent time in church, what he would do when he was praying before the tabernacle. And this simple, humble man responded, I look at him and he looks at me. That's contemplation. Lexio, reading in order to hear. Meditatio, meditation, pondering in order for that, that hearing and the content of our prayer to become rich and multifaceted. Oratio, dialoguing with God, honestly and personally. Contemplatio, contemplation, letting down all my defenses, all my words, all my thoughts, and being in the presence of God and being embraced by him. So in the next conference, we will um, just do a very practical, I'll just, I'm going to make bold to, to kind of do a guided Lexio Divina. Um, I'll introduce the scripture passage to you at that time, okay? And um, we'll just kind of maybe remind ourselves of some basic principles, and I'll, I'll kind of say how it's going to go, and then we'll go through it, and we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Dear Jesus, thank you for being with us. I ask you, please, to complete what I have left uncompleted. I ask you to do in each of our hearts what only you have the wisdom and the power to do. Because, Jesus, we trust in you. Amen.